Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. John 5, verse 16 through 47. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things, so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. 
For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Wonderfully, wonderfully read. Let's check this microphone's on. Yes, it is. Great. Beautifully read. Uh, an incredibly long passage there, which we're going to look at this morning. It would help you to have a Bible open. Uh, there are... Uh, as already been mentioned, notes in terms of John's Gospels. There are John's Gospels that you can follow this. Um, and we'll see how we go this morning. It's been an incredible week, hasn't it? I mean, what a moving, uh, difficult time for our nation uh, in mourning after our beloved Queen Elizabeth uh, has sadly died. And uh, if you have, like me, gone over to uh, Green Park or Hyde Park, you'll just see flowers, uh, acres of flowers, and lots and lots of very well-meaning words uh, of people who have written them. Uh, you, 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 you can stop and you can take a long time just looking at those. And I'm somewhat amused by how almost deified our Queen has become. I read one long big card saying, we know now you're up there with the angels reigning in heaven, looking down on us. I'm thinking, wow, she really has ascended. <laughs> but lots of people writing silly things and saying, I always knew you. really felt like I knew you. I really love you. And yet, of course, for the majority of us, and if you're an exception, then uh, <coughs> there are a few exceptions. Most of us never met her, uh, and it's hard to say you love someone that you've never met. I mean, you could admire someone, you can love what they stand for, but it's quite an incredible use of the word love, and we're back into a series called Amazing Love, and uh, we're going to look at what it is, the greatest love that's ever been known, ever been demonstrated, that you and I can experience this morning. And uh, I know the minute you engage with the word love, people have all kinds of of, uh, understandings. I I remember falling in love when I was 15. Lasted two and a half weeks (laughs) until I asked her out and she said no. But not to be put off, I pursued that girl, and 40 years, almost to the month, we've been married. So, did all right in the end. But uh, what began as sort of like romantic love, I like you, I fancy you, well, aren't you great? Very quickly, if you've never been married, this is just a heads up, very quickly you suddenly realise it's not everything it's cut out to be, this love thing. I can remember when the winter came, first year of being married, and waking up freezing cold under a sheet. And next to me was this big duvet of a bear <laughs> sleeping. And I thought, oh, I just need to get the duvet back a bit. And she grabbed hold of it, swung it over, pushed it off. So sat there, so, oh, this is not everything I thought it was going to be. Now, 
We are reading from John's Gospel. I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap in order to bring you up to speed where we are today. But John is the disciple that was closest to Jesus. He was the guy who actually leant on Jesus' breast, would have heard the heartbeat of the man who claimed to be God. Can you imagine that? This flesh and blood person, this person who, who could calm a storm, this person who could raise the dead. John is intimately connected with him. And John writes a letter, a gospel, in order that you and I might get into a relationship with this wonderful saviour and a wonderful God who rules and reigns. This isn't a few memoirs from John. This is written with a very deliberate uh, style in order to help the readers, help you and me and every generation make their way, journey their way into an in intimate, in-depth, joyful, harmonious, wonderful relationship with the living God. And so this word, this message this morning is for all of us because God requires and, and, and wants intimacy. And perhaps for some of you, and I've been praying this, some of you may be the very first step on your journey to knowing him and to embracing him and to falling in love with him for the first time. So John has written this gospel and he calls, uh, throughout this gospel, he calls signs. He, 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 he builds signs. And you know what a sign is for? Sign is to follow. I know we're living in a day, I mean, a lot of uh, messages these days are ever so hard to preach because we, don't, we, we follow sat-navs now, don't we? Have you, have you ever walked around London and watched people sort of like... They're trying to follow Google Maps. And, and by the time they get to wherever they're meant to be getting, if you said, hey, do you know where you've come from? With the, they haven't got a clue where they are. Same with cars. When I was uh, starting to drive, it was, it was signs. It was like, okay, I'm going to make my way to Bournemouth. I need to start off on the A4, and I'm heading for the M4. M4, there's a sign, M4. M4, I'm looking for M25, big blue one. Great, I'm on the M25, big blue one, M3. And I followed the signs in order to get to the destination. John is erecting huge, massive signs and saying, if you want to enter into a relationship with the God who made the universe, an incredible, awesome, majestic, wonderful, loving, kind Father, then I'm going to erect some signs, and I want you to follow them carefully, because one leads on to the other and leads on to the other. And that's why it's hard picking up a series, because already uh, the, the, the elders have already put up a couple of these signs, and so I'm just going to remind you what they were, okay? Because otherwise you'll be going... Can't quite work out where you are today. Well, okay, first sign was this. The first sign, if you've got John's Gospel open, it's found back in John chapter 2. In fact, it's, he actually says this is a sign. It's, it's Jesus turning water into wine. In verse 11, it says, What Jesus did in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory... And his disciples believed in him. So that, there's the end goal. The glory of God is when you encounter God and you believe in him. That's my end game today. That's the end game of John. So he talks about a wedding. 
All history, if you don't know this, this is the Bible story, all history ends with a wedding. It doesn't end, end with a funeral. We're going to cel celebrate or give thanks for a queen tomorrow. But all history ends with a wedding, and, and the bride is the people of God, the church of the living God. And Jesus goes to a wedding, this is the first sign, because he wants to tell people, he wants to point people, this is what's going to happen in history. This is who the key players are. The bridegroom gets the bride. And there are six empty water pots. Six is one short of the perfection. The Bible talks about the number seven being complete. The Old Testament was incomplete. It was perfect. It was pointing to the day a, a saviour would come, but it was incomplete. Jesus is the fulfilment of the Old Testament. Jesus ordered people to, the servants to obey him and to fill the jars with water. If you are to enter, you and I are enter into a relationship with the living God, we need to be obedient to Jesus' commands. And that command with water is actually the very first command Jesus gives his disciples is to be baptised. And out of that steps of obedience came incredible abundance of wine like no one had ever tasted. Jesus says that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. It is joy everlasting. It is like a party with the best wine being served. He hadn't come to improve slightly the Old Testament. No, the Old Testament was a, was a forerunner to the greater kingdom of God that would be revealed in Christ. First sign. Second sign. Second sign, if you turn, and you t turn in, your, in your Bibles to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, there is a healing of an official song, son. And uh, John says there again, uh, verse 54, this was the second sign. Jesus performed after coming from Judea. What happens in John chapter 4 is there is a royal, official's, uh, a royal official who made his way to Christ. And he said, his son is on death's door. His son is gonna, he's got days to live. And he, and, he, and he comes to Jesus and he says, uh, look, uh, my son's just about to die. And Jesus says, oh, unless you people see a miracle you don't believe. Unless you see with your physical eyes, you don't believe. And Jesus says to the official, go, your son will live. And the official, without seeing, believed. And in that moment, that very moment, wherever it was, 10 to 4 in the afternoon, as he believed, as Jesus says, go, his son hops off the bed absolutely healed, wonderfully healed. They confirm it all and they all get back together. And Jesus is saying, and the second sign, it's not a, if you see it with your physical eyes, that's faith. No, spiritual sight is important to God. Faith that sees beyond the natural into the supernatural is how we enter into the kingdom of God. We believe his word, we trust his word. We stake our life upon his word. And in doing that, the life of God enters us. Second sign. And now we're on the third sign, which um, is my duty to, or, or responsibility to unpack this morning. And this is found, as you've already seen, in John chapter 5, 
but we didn't read what the actual sign was. Howard uh, talked about this last time I think he spoke in this series, which was the healing uh, of, a, a, of a guy who was invalid for 38 years by a pool in Jerusalem that it was believed that if you, all around this pool was a whole load of people who were invalided, that if you could get in first into the water when it was rippled sort of by the breeze, you could be supernaturally healed. This guy had been sitting there for many years. No hope. He'd given up. I mean, I, I can't believe how the British love to queue. Can you? I stood on the steps of chapel yesterday afternoon. Two-hour queues from Victoria Street going to Buckingham Palace. I said, what are you doing? Oh, we like to queue. What, what are you hoping to see? I don't know. We, we're all queuing. I mean, if we can find a queue in Britain, we join it, don't we? And it's like, what are you doing here? I don't know. It's a queue. It's got to be good. It's a big queue. So we're going to join it. 14 hours long. Oh, I'm going to join that one. We're going to shut the queue. Well, I'm going to join the queue to join the queue because I don't like being told I can't queue. I just want to queue. That's our nation. We like to queue. But here, this poor man has been lying there and never gets into the water. And so Jesus comes by and, and, and he just walks amongst the crowd and no big rah-rah, razzmatazz. He comes up to a guy and he says... Uh, in verse 6, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid reply, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else gets ahead of me. He's given up. He's got a sort of like a nominal belief, but he's not, not pursuing it. So Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now we can really, really underplay this because they're just so, so, such a sort of couple of sentences and yet can you imagine, just put yourself there, please put yourself there. You haven't been able to walk the whole of your life. Everybody else seems to be getting in ahead of you. No one takes any notice of you. You are on the poorest of the poor and you're on your filthy mat and a stranger comes by and goes, pick up your mat and have a go walk. I mean, if it's me, if it's you, I am sure this guy is like, roll up my mat. Hey, hey, oh, my legs are working. Hey, watch these moves now. I'm coming down the street. And, he, and he's rolled his mat up. And he's coming down. And then I'm doing the do. And he meets the religious leaders. And how many of you know religious people don't like happy people? True, isn't it? Well, you've got a smile about. I don't know. I just, uh, I was paralyzed and uh, now check this out. You're carrying a mat. A mat. It's a Sabbath. You've got a whole list of rules. Rule 975. You must not carry your mat on a Sabbath. Who told you to carry your mat? Oh, I don't know. I mean, this guy just walked past and said, pick up your mat and here I am. <laughs> No, 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 who is this guy? This guy goes back to the temple. Jesus comes alongside him and Jesus said, look, good that you've been healed outwardly, now be healed inwardly. Go and sin. He says this, see you are well again, stop sinning or something else worse could happen to you. 
And the guy goes, ah, it's Jesus. So he goes back to the religious authorities and he says, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who gave me this new life, this new body which I'm enjoying. And now we enter into the narrative we've heard this morning. This incredible teaching, which I would really encourage you because I will not do justice to this in the next 20 minutes. So I'm just going to give you some headings and I'm going to leave you to do the real work because this teaching is life-changing. The revelation of who Jesus is is life-changing. And if you really want to do your work and really come into this beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ, then you need to read this and unpack it and talk about it in life groups and say all the bits you don't understand because there's so much in here I don't understand. But to be entering to a relationship with God, to be saved, to have your sins forgiven, to have that life that this person, and all the way through these points, just think of this guy who's here, this life that he's now enjoying. Just think this is a small little picture, a little cameo of what it is to be a Christian. There are little steps that John's saying you and I need to take in order to come into this life. You need revelation about Jesus Christ. And these are the four things, in summary, you need to try and get your head around and believe. The first one that Jesus says is that he is equal to the Father. Jesus is God. See, in verse... um, 17 and 18. In his defense, when the Jews are saying, what are you doing working on the Sabbath? In his defense, Jesus says that my father is always at work to this very day. God doesn't have a day off. Good job, isn't it? Good job that Sunday isn't God's day off where the whole of gravity stops working and the universe plummets into all chaos. No, God keeps living and breathing and caring and feeding and sustaining all things. Jesus says, Jesus says, look, my father's working on this very day, and I too am working. We're, we're a team. You see the father working, I'm working. We're a team. We, we're God's team. I am God incarnate. And, and in case you're thinking, well, that's a bit of a stretch, the Jews fully understood this. For verse 18, they tried to kill, all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus claimed equality with God. This wasn't a special creation. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't a a leader like Moses in the Old Testament. Jesus is and was God. Fully God. Fully human and fully God. The third person, the second person of the Trinity incarnate. God with flesh on. The second thing about Jesus that Jesus says here is found in verse 20. It says, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. This is really, really important because we're in a series called Amazing Love. And Jesus says, the Father loves the Son. You, 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 you want to go back into history, you want to go back into eternity past, 
In eternity past, God existed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And their relationship, their connection was love, love, love. It was divine love. And it was divine love that created the universe. It was divine love that created mankind. It was divine love that sent his one and only Son in order that he might be able to rescue fallen mankind from their ignorance and from their sin and from their pride and bring them back into relationship. God is love. Any other description of love is, 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 is insignificant, irrelevant compared to that great statement. The reason we long for love, the reason we're seeking love, the reason we, 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 we talk about love so much is that there is a lover right at the beginning. And love has existed for eternity past. And love spills into our world over and over again every day in every way. God is love. And he loves us. He loves human beings. He loves his world. 1 John 4.16 says, Whoever abides in love abides in God. The very essence of our salvation is divine love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And when you become a Christian, when you accept God into your life, you don't become religious, you become a lover of God and a lover of what God loves. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Jesus and the Father, so close over the heart beat over the heart of God is the Father and the Son in this intimate relationship and that love has been made known to us through Jesus Christ. So you need to understand that in terms of who Jesus is. Jesus is in a loving relationship and invites us into that same relationship. Thirdly, Jesus is and brings eternal life. This would be a good little test or task for you all to do. Verse 20, For as the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does, yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to all he was pleased to give. Verse 24, Whoever believes him has sent me has eternal life. Life. Verse 26, as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted also the Son to have life in himself. Just go through and underline life, eternal life, life, eternal life through John's gospel. You and I, as believers, are meant to live a life to the full. This is not a mediocre, half-hearted, religious, boring life. Don't forget, this guy is the example, exhibit A. The life that God has set in the hearts of man is an eternal life. It's a bubbling life. It's a life that goes on and on and on into eternity. What you've experienced today is nothing what, it's just a down payment for what you can experience tomorrow and the day after and the day after. You and I are meant to be living examples of the life of Jesus Christ. He has given his Holy Spirit that we might know joy unspeakable. So the church should be a life full, 
experience of encountering God. There should be nothing boring about a Sunday meeting because the life of God is in us. And it's an eternal life. Nothing can stop it. No, no mood, no, 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 no historic death of a queen. We serve the King of Kings and the King of Kings gives us life. And that life is to the full. That's what Jesus has come to bring. And finally, and hard, this, is, this is the hardest part, judgment too. If to understand Jesus is to understand judgment. In verse 22, that moreover, the fathers, Jesus says, judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And there's an awful lot in these verses talking about that final day. John, John 3.17, the verse after God so loved, is a really important verse for us to understand. Because it says in that verse, Jesus says, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. The love of Almighty God wants to save the world. The love of Almighty God has done everything necessary for the world to be saved. There is room in heaven for everyone who wants to love the Father, love the Son, and bow the knee and confess their sin and believe in his Savior. But Jesus says here, in a sober way, that refusal... He says here, in, he's talking to the Jews here in verse 40, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Refusal of the loving embrace of God, of the free gift of God, of the relationship of eternal life with God. If the, if the paralytic has stayed there and says, uh, what do I want? I want a house, I want a girlfriend, I want a dog. Do you want to get well? Do you know what there are? Millions, sadly, of people across the world that with God's loving invitation to say, come and know me, come and know life, come and know what it is to be loved by a, an incredible eternal God, to know that love in your heart in the power of the Spirit, who go, no thanks, got other things I'd rather do, other things I believe in, I don't really need a God, I don't want to believe in a God. I mean, yesterday in the papers, it's funny, the commentator in the Times was saying, what's gone wrong with Britain? We're atheists, and yet we've got all this mumbo-jumbo coming out about the Queen and God and, and all this sort of stuff. Because God has set eternity in the hearts of every human being. And we are alone in this universe until we find our rest in God. And Jesus Christ has made the way. He doesn't want to judge people. He wants to embrace people and love people. But for those who refuse him, there comes a day when you die and that judgment is final and you'll stand before him and he'll have his arms open. Why didn't you believe? Why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you come into life? And, you, and all your excuses are going to feel like really stupid and, or maybe just too proud. And you'll be sort of left forever outside of the presence of that love. Anyone who's ever told you, well, hell's a party. Come on, get into the party. It's going to be wine, women, and song. They're lying to you, okay? Hell is you being left outside of everything that is good in this world. 
everything which is beautiful, everything which is wonderful and loving and kind. Hell is leaving you on your own and shutting the door, and that is your eternal, eternal life evermore. And saying that with real passion in my heart that everyone in this room knows the love of Jesus Christ. So let me tell you how you can know this love of Christ and just finish in this last five minutes because I, my prayer is that no one leaves here and goes, I don't know, really know what you were talking about this morning. George Whitfield says, Conversion is the union of the soul with God so that Christ is formed in us. You think of normal conception, the sperm and the egg, and you think of how that incredible reception happens and then suddenly multiply, life, 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 life. So the word of God is the seed this morning. And it's looking for a heart that will open itself and believe the word, believe in Christ, the living word, and that life suddenly begins and goes on multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. So what happens when you put your faith, when you trust in Christ. Let me give you three to finish with. Firstly, you are free from a life of sin and condemnation. Verse 24. Very truly I say, whoever hears my word, which I'm preaching this morning, and believes him who sent me, that's the Father, has eternal life and will not be judged. The minute you surrender to Jesus Christ, the minute you confess your sin and say, I need a saviour. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for that incredible gift of life. The minute you believe, you're free from condemnation. You're free from judgment. You don't live trying to, a religious life, now I've got to try and keep God up. I've got to try and do some good works to earn my salvation. No, salvation is free. And there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who have put their faith in him, yes, we still sin, yes, we still fall, but there is the blood that has been shed that washes away all our sin, past, present, and future. That's why we celebrate communion, because the blood, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners that are plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. We don't come cringing into the presence of a father. In Christ, we come boldly and declare we're his sons and daughters. And there is grace upon grace for us. Secondly, life that Jesus has won for us is a life of joy. And it's a life that begins now. Verse uh, 25, it says, Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Today is a day of salvation. This word will have no effect on your life whatsoever unless you mix it with faith, unless you invite it into your heart, unless you say, I believe that. I believe I was, uh, that God is for me, that God loves me, and that he wants me to know life and life today. And thirdly, this salvation brings reward. In verse 29, it talks about, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise and live. Those who have done what is evil will rise up to be condemned. You see, it's just every person who's a Christian in this room, our salvation is all of grace. 
It's all been done by Jesus Christ. But there is a life to be lived here on earth for his glory. And there is reward for those who live by faith in the power of God. There is a reward that God wants to give us. We're not, we're freed from condemnation, but we will still stand before a throne at the end of our lives. And there'll be rewards that he wants to give us for good and faithful service to him. So let me finish. Let me finish by this very simple question. Will you this, this day receive life? Receive the life that's been won for you. See, tomorrow is going to be a day all about death. But the real truth is, Her Majesty the Queen has never, ever been more alive. She's not in a box. She is in the presence of her Savior. And she'll have more life in her body than any of you have got in yours She will be worshipping the one that she served throughout her whole life and enjoying his presence. It is God this nation most needs. It's God that we most need. Jesus made this promise in John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Have you got a... Are you living this life today? Have you started on this journey? Have you read the signs of, oh, I need to to turn off the main highway and, and believe on Jesus Christ? This is a moment, an opportunity this morning to begin that journey. And for every one of you just going through a religious ritual of thinking, I'm a Christian and I'm doing okay and life's a bit boring, Christianity's a bit boring, I don't really know what you're talking about, you talk about life and this morning there's an opportunity to re-engage and re-enter and touch Jesus Christ and know the life of the Spirit. So why don't you just stand? I'm going to invite the worship band up and I'm going to pray for, pray for all of us. Stand if you would. Just as we close our eyes and bow our head, let me just ask this question. With no one else sort of looking, only God is looking down on us at this moment. Is anyone in this room today saying, actually, I'd like to begin this journey. I'd like to know Jesus Christ. I'd like to know the love of this Father in heaven. I'd like to know what it is to be free of condemnation and free of sin. And you want to begin that journey. God is here by his Spirit to meet you, for that conception to happen in your heart, a new life to begin. And all you need to do is take that childlike step of faith of saying Jesus save me Jesus rescue me it's going to give you a moment if that's you just to make that prayer to God and for all of us Father I pray for a life of the Spirit in this church, a life of joy unspeakable, a life of eternal life. I pray your Spirit would fall upon us this morning. Lord, may our salvation, the joy of our salvation, hit us again, afresh, again and again, that Jesus has done everything in order that we can become children of God, and that is what we are. And so we come, Father, into your presence 
into a time of worship. We want to know the power of God upon us. We want to know the joy of God upon us. And we want to lift up his name in this place and over this nation because we serve the King of Kings, not a dead sovereign, but the one who reigns for all eternity. Lord Jesus, be glorified in our worship now. Be glorified in our lives now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him. listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.